Uh, <clears throat> my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. It's good to see you. If you are here in person, uh, if you if you are <laughs> Andy, just adding a little at the end there. Uh, if uh, if you're listening online or watching online or you watch us later, uh, we love to connect with you. Uh, please leave us a comment or something on the Facebook page under the video, and we'd uh, we'd love to get connected with you in that way. Um, all the little ones, little kids, who are heading up to Children's Church. You can. Continue to head that way, and uh, we'll get started. So <clears throat> we've been in the series, Doors of the Bible, and uh, it's a series that um, kind of came full circle for us. Um, we got to go back to the Ark Encounter uh, last week. Um, if you haven't been there in Kentucky, you should go. Uh, it's really, really amazing. Uh, you imagine um, a life-size version, a real life-size version of Noah's Ark. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's like a big building on its side. Uh, how big it is. So um, <clears throat> you should go check that out. It's really where this started for us. Um, Christy and I went a number of years ago when it first opened, and then um, we'd had this little pamphlet, this little brochure on the doors of the Bible. And <clears throat> she had brought that to me one day, and I just began to think and pray over, what would that look like to do a series on the doors of the Bible? There's so many of them uh, from the beginning, uh, from a door that closed in the ark for God to judge the world, to now we see this door, we're going to see today in Matthew uh, chapter 7, where, where Jesus is eager to open it. Um, he's ready for us to come uh, and <laughs> knock on that door, and as soon as we do, as soon as we seek him, he says, there's no lock, you don't need a key, it's wide open, come on through. And so that's the good news of the story from the, uh, for really when we see the first door of the Bible um, that, that, that warns us that there's real, there's this real standard and judgment for sin to this time in the New Testament where we see that, that Jesus says, hey, all can come freely, <clears throat> and we get to walk through that doorway. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab one. Uh, or if you need one, there should be one in the uh, little insert in front of you uh, in the chair. It will be in Matthew chapter 7. So Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 7 through 3. <clears throat> and we're talking about the life door. And... <clears throat> If you've, uh, you've been around recent times, um, this season's been really strange. I know I was, uh, I was thinking about going into the um, winter season, and I remember reading something, talking with some of our farmers around here, and they said, yeah, the farmer's almanac. It says it's going to be a bad winter. And so I was just sort of waiting for that. Well, you know, we got a couple of bad storms, but, but as much as it changes, you know, we don't like the change of things that take place in life. And this week, um, it snowed again, of course, so that's normal for here. Uh, <clears throat> and when I went outside, and you may be tired walking in this morning as well. I know I am. My back's hurting a little bit. Uh, you go to shovel the snow, and you're like, why is this not moving? It's, uh, it's different than other snow. Of course, it was so warm, right? You have slushy snow. It's not fun snow, is it? It's not, right? Well, today, we'll be talking about this uh, life door. It's a good door. It's, um, if if it's a change maybe you haven't made in life to follow Jesus, it's, uh, it's one that's not going to hurt you. It's not going to cost you anything right off the bat, but all you have to do is knock, and um, that's the good news today. So um, <clears throat> as I was thinking about this as well today, you know, this, this phrase, real love, you'll see that in the handout and on the screen. Uh, real love um, can be difficult for us sometimes in the relationships that we have with friends, family, uh, and, and even with our spouse. So what, what does that really look like? Well, God's really the only one who offers us Love that is truly free, that's unbiased, that's not hindered by something, that's not affected by the fall. And so when I, when I first said this phrase, another thing came to my mind, well, well, nothing is free, right? We talk about love, being free, God gives it to us. It's not like this, like this hippie version, I'm sorry if you were around during that time uh, of the world, uh, where, where love, was, love was freely given, right? Well, this isn't the same kind of love that God is talking about to us today. Either And when <clears throat> Jesus talks about this, 
Uh, it's this love that he gives us, this gospel, the good news, that he's already, he's already gone, he's about to go to the cross, but, but he's sharing with us how we can come to him. And in Matthew chapter 7, we see this. Jesus, he comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a lot of things that he talks about, kind of just reframing how we understand uh, our faith and how the Old Testament and the New Testament come together. And this word appears, this door um, that we can knock on. And in other places in the scripture, we see this different interaction where either we knock on it or Jesus knocks on our door, and, and there's this dual action almost, like somebody's opening, right? Either it's God or it's us, or there's this active part that we play in coming to God. And this word is used here in Revelation 3.20 uh, when uh, John is, uh, God through John is talking to the church in Laodicea, and it's in Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So it's this open invitation. So this is where we come to today. Uh, we're going to start in with the good door. So if you like to write things down, you can uh, write that down, the good door. And it really just starts with knocking. Uh, many people who I haven't interacted with before about God, about faith, will say, um, well, yeah, I just don't know how to get to God. Or, you know, I'm not sure how to go about that. Or, you know, I really feel like being a Christian. I mean, that's going to be a lot of effort. And, or, you know what, I just really don't feel like I'm good enough to be, you know, a church person, or to be with God, or to be somebody that knows God. Well, the good news is here is that it doesn't really matter where you come from, what your background is, what you've been through. This good door, it's good because it will open if we, if we knock on it, if we seek God. And so uh, here's what it says in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And so Jesus is talking about this relationship that, that we can have with him, and he's using some specific words here. This word ask, a teo in the Greek, it's to um, ask or to call or to crave or desire. So this is more than just like, you know, hey, God, we know you sent Jesus. Like, would you, would you cover all of our sins? Would you handle that for us? We really need you. <clears throat> it's a little more than that. It's to crave or desire. Like, so do we, do we want to be close to God is the question. Do we, do we want to know him? Or are we just sort of living our lives in this way of like, well, it'd be nice to get out of having to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I think everybody would say if you were asked the question, I want that, like we talked about last week. But then when we get down to it, the actual effort that we put forth in knowing God really matters, right? Uh, and so he says here, ask, and it will be given. Uh, given uh, didymo I means just to give a gift. Now, uh, maybe you've um, anticipated an event coming up, maybe a birthday or an anniversary or um, whatever it might be, and uh, you plan for that, right? Or other people ask you, what can we get you? And they plan to give you this gift. Well, God's got the greatest gift for us, doesn't he? We, he says, ask and it will be given to you. It's just assumed. Ask and it will be given. See, God, have this desire to know God and you're going to find him. And sometimes I think that we ask those questions or those who maybe are on the fence and like, I just don't know if I, you know, if I believe in God, if I believe in what Jesus has done for me on the cross, then I, I, you know, I'm going to have to change some things, you know? And I kind of like my life the way that it is. I don't really want to have to adjust anything. And so that, that's going to be difficult for me. But, but God is telling us here today, just ask, if you desire to know God, He's there. He's, he's going to open the door to you. So, and then here it says uh, to seek. So what do we need to do? Well, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And so uh, this word for seek in the, in the Greek, zeteo, uh, means to, uh, by thinking or meditating or reasoning, to inquire to. 
We're actually saying, hey, we're, we're putting forth this effort. Like, I have a desire to know God, and so then what am I going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to seek after God. Well, oh, how do I do that? Well, for most of you in the room, you're already making an effort, right? You're here on Sunday morning, right? No matter uh, what the weather, what's going on, we're here uh, together, so we seek and we reach out to God. And <clears throat> many of you would, would ask the question, uh, well, uh, if you want to find something that's been lost, right? You seek after that. Now, I was thinking about this with car keys because over time, this has changed a lot. So you might, 20, 25 years ago, you lose the car keys, well, you just go get the spare and you go to Home Depot and you make a copy and then you're all good. But if you lose the car keys like today, you're like, um, that's going to be, <laughs> we got to take out, we got to borrow from the college fund or we, we got to do something. Because the dealership was like, it's three or four or $500. <laughs> what? what is it? What's in that little thing that makes it cost that much? Well, there's computer chips and there's all that stuff. And so, you know, that's a pretty big deal. So if you lose those keys, you're not just like, oh, it's not a big deal. No, you're like, it's a big deal. We have to find, <laughs> we have to find the keys. And so with something like that, we, we seek after it because it's costly to us, right? Well, God and the relationship that we've given him with, uh, given, been given with him is it's so much more valuable than that, right? More than something expensive that you lose. Uh, the God of the universe, he stepped out of heaven so that we could know him deeply and intimately. So how are we going to go about coming to him? Well, well, Jesus lays it all out for us. Here he goes, ask and, and you will find. Seek and you will find. And so what's the word here for find? Well, heuriscio, uh, uh, it means a, a guaranteed finding or securing it's a sure thing coming to know God. So Jesus says here, seek, actually seek me out like, like more than all the other things that matter in your life. Like really, really seek me out and you will find it. It will be a guarantee to you if you are pursuing God in the right way. <clears throat> and he says, knock. So we've got ask, it'll be given, seek, and you will find. And by the way, people use... Uh, some of these type of passages, and they'll just quote this one. I'll be like, you know, ask and it'll be given. Yeah. God, he, he, he wants you to have everything your heart desires. And the Bible never says that. In fact, all the desires of our flesh, of our heart, many times are very wicked, right? And, and so Paul will, will talk about this too in Romans. Paul will talk about this um, desire that our flesh has, the desire of the things that we want compared to what the good things are that God wants. They're very different, right? So we, we can't look at this text and, and, and what's called proof text it. We can't say, well, God said ask. You know, I'd like that. I'd really like that Ferrari, God. And just if you could make that appear. You know, well, I, you said ask and it will be given, Right? Well, no, this is in the context of knowing God, so this is why we have to read it in its entirety. And so, ask and it'll be given, seek, and you'll find this relationship with God. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And so this, um, this knocking, again, this is in Revelation 3, 20, and so here it says, you, you know, you knock, right? So, uh, knock, and it will be open to you. This word here for uh, knock in the Greek is the word crew. It just means to be knocking at his door. Like, are we really intentionally seeking after God? Was there a time in your life where you were like, you know what, I don't know God. I, I, I really think that um, if I don't know him, things are going to go badly. I'm going to be separated from him forever. And you'd be right in eternity past. And so there was that, that time that came that you were like, I need to knock at God's door. The good news is he's going to open it. So I'll read Revelation 3.20 again. It's the same word. Behold, I stand and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So there's this active part on both sides, right? God wants us to seek him, but he's going like, just come. Like, just come to me, knock on the door, and it's going to be open to you. 
He's not holding over our past mistakes. A lot of us feel like that. In fact, when I, when I interact with people in the community, our surrounding area, and I talk to them about God, they, they say, well, you just don't know where I've been. And I said, I don't need to know where you've been because <laughs> God has already covered all those things through what Jesus has done on the cross. He, he shed his blood for us so that, so that you didn't have to come, like, you come to the church doors and be like, I'm not worthy to be in here. Newsflash, none of us are worthy right? None of us get to come to God and say, you know what? I know I belong on the A-team, right? All those other people, yeah, you, you know, they're B, C, whatever. They can ride the bench of, of when it comes to knowing God, having a relationship with him. I mean, they can know him, but, you know, they're really not worthy of it, but, but, but I am. No, none of us get to come to the table. None of us get to come to the door and say, <clears throat> God, you need me. You need me in here. Well, we need God, right? Every single one of us do. And so we don't get to come to him with this perspective of, of either I'm not worthy or, or I am, right? We, we just say, God, we know you've already taken care of it. And so no one deserves it, but yet God offers it freely. And this is where this real love to this good doorway comes in, right? We don't have to go, am I good enough? Well, we're not, but luckily God has taken care of that. So what does he do? Well, he, he opens the door. Uh, noigo in the Greek, it, means to, uh, it just means it will be open, right? It's not like we have to go like I, some of us, um, if you've gone like door-to-door doing that kind of thing, I don't know if you've been like had any experience with that door-to-door salesman or cold calls or that kind of thing. Very nerve-wracking, right? I don't really, I don't really enjoy that, but, but, but sometimes you do, or maybe you've gone around just sharing the gospel and you go door-to-door um, and, and you knock on the door and you're like, uh, Sometimes you're like, I don't want him to answer the door. I don't want to have to have a conversation. Or you knock, and you're like, I hope this goes well. I hope they do answer. There's a lot of uncertainty, right, when it comes to other people's doors. You go up and knock on the door, maybe they're not home, right? You knock on the door, and nobody's there, and you breathe a sigh of relief, right? I don't have to interact maybe today, but, but God, he's, he's there freely, right? And, and when it says we knock, it says he will open. He's going to open the door. It's not a question of, oh, no, I don't know what's going to happen. He will open it to us. It's a guarantee. And in verse 7, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so we've looked at a few of these, ver- these words already, but I'm going to touch on some of the ones that aren't in verse 7. And I like what Chrysostom, who's a church father, said about verses uh, 7 and 8. He said, by knocking, Jesus meant that we, we approach God with intensity and passion. So do, do we approach God? Do we approach this doorway? Do we, we approach him, uh, you know, just in maybe a more flippant way? Like, well, I guess if I have to. Or, I mean, you know, my family goes to church, so I guess I should do something. I mean, God, you know, can I be a part of the team? I guess maybe I want to. That's not really, that's not really how uh, it's supposed to go, right? And Jesus says here, hey, if you're going to come, you know, be all in, right? Don't, don't, just, um, <laughs> don't just come to the door and be like, eh, Maybe, I'm not really sure. Uh, Jesus says um, we need to be serious about this. So knock, and it will be opened. And then we get to verse 7. For everyone who asks, receives. And this, this is, again, it's in the context of this relationship with knowing God. So if you, you come to God, he says everyone. This, in fact, this is the desire of God's heart. He doesn't desire that anybody would perish and be separated from him forever. But one of the beautiful things about the gospel is that we have a choice. We can, we can hear it, and we can respond to it, and we can either say, that is something that I want. I really want to know God. And so, and so then we go, God, I'm here. I'm knocking on the door. I want to know you. I want to enter through that doorway. Or we can say, hey, not for me. I don't want any part of that. 
And I think it's sad for time too. It should be a motivator for us, like we talked about last week, that there's a, there's a world that's lost and dying and separated from God and going to hell. And it's not a popular message, is it? But it's certainly one that's true. And we know the Bible doesn't shy away from this, but, but God also wants to know that everyone who asks receives, not the Ferrari, but salvation, right? And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. So who is this everyone? This is this um, <clears throat> word pass in the Greek. It just means everybody, right? It's not complicated. It's not like Jesus is trying to mislead everybody. He's like, maybe some, maybe not. But if you're good, or uh, maybe if you like look a certain way or have you know, this, this amount of money, no, he's just going, everyone. Right? <laughs> Isn't that good? There's no qualifier. There's certainly a lot of other qualifiers for life, right? Maybe to get a certain job, you have to have a certain degree, um, or experience. Uh, maybe you, you, want, you want to go and pursue something in life. Maybe it's to, um, to, to be a doctor or something. Well, they're not going to let you do that until you kind of go through all the steps of accomplishing those things. And, and maybe people will say, well, what are your credentials? How do we know? And, and Jesus doesn't look at us and go, now, now what, are your, what are your credentials? What's your experience? All right, um, yeah, I'm going to uh, get with the team, and we're going to see if you, know, you fit the bill for uh, you know, being a Christian or being able to be a part of the kingdom of God when you die and know us. No, no, he, he says everyone who does what, who asks, receives. And this includes everyone. So what, are the, what, what does he say? Well, he says everyone who asks, receives. The word uh, ambano in the Greek, to take possession of. So God becomes ours. We become his. We belong to him. Now, in that, that good news, maybe you belong to something else, a club or a group, and that makes you feel valuable or part of something maybe even bigger than yourself. In fact, when I was doing um, a little bit of research on this, like what makes our generations feel valuable? As you look throughout history, for some, it was serving their country, right? Now, we haven't had a huge major conflict in a long time, certainly a lot of little ones. Uh, but, but, you know, you look back through the generations and some belonged in that way to serve their country. And those are things we still try to honor. Um, some, like my generation, would say, well, millennials, um, what, what matters to them? Being a part of something, whatever it is. Being a part of something that says that it's about more than just me. And this is for, for millennials who are not, not necessarily believers either. They're just, I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of a cause. And if you look around long enough, you get on social media, there's plenty of causes. They're not, they're not always good ones. Uh, they're not always ones that make a lot of sense, but for my generation, that was their thing. It was like, I want to be a part of something. And I think we all have that desire in our hearts, don't we? That when we, we, we want to come to some sort of door, we want to mean something, we want to matter. At the end of the day, we want to matter when we're not around anymore, right? Whether it's to our family, or maybe a group of people that we interacted with or served, or our friends for sure, we would like those people to maybe stand um, on that day and say, I really liked them. They were a good friend. They were a good family member. Whenever it is and whoever it, it is, we want to matter, right? Well, Jesus says, hey, you don't have to fit any of these things. You don't have to be anything in particular, but you matter to me. And when we walk through that doorway, he, he says that we receive this, that we belong to God, we belong to him. It's the most meaningful thing that you could be a part of, having a relationship with God. And so then Jesus turns, turns, kind of turns the tide here. He goes from this good door to trying to help people understand what he's talking about. Because they're like, doorway, what? Like, I don't really understand what's going on. And he says, it's kind of like this. And so he turns our focus to uh, parenting, right? We could all use help. I need a lot of help in that area. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. But he talks about good parents. So that's the second fill in the blanks. So we've got this good doorway. We know that it's there. We kind of know what it takes to approach God, to pursue him. 
<clears throat> and then we've got good parents. And this kind of helps us understand God's love. He's like, let me frame it a little bit for you like this, even though it's imperfect, even though, you know, at times, like our, our parents always let us down, right? At times, we're, you kind of as a kid, you're like, they are perfect, they're amazing. And at some point, you're like, they're not. Like, what happened, you know? Uh, like, I know that, right? And then our kids will know that growing up. They're like, you know what? That's not perfect, and that's okay. But there is a God who is. And, he, and Jesus goes, I want you to understand what it's like. And then in verse 9, he says, Or which of you, <clears throat> if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? And so <clears throat> he's going to highlight this even more so as we go through the text. But he's like good parents. Like whether you're saved, whether you're not, whether you're listening to this, and you're like, I don't know God. But, but who would say, Jesus poses this question to us, because... Parents, even though if, if they don't know God, there's this intrinsic love inside of them, not a perfect one, like we've talked about already. But he says, which of you, if your kid was hungry? This happens in the morning a lot for me. So um, the girls get up, we try to keep them in bed as, <laughs> as long as possible until they're supposed to get up. Sometimes they'll get up early and they'll come uh, run in my office. So I'm getting ready for the day and I'm studying and I'm praying before we do the whole getting ready for school thing. And they run in and they're like, they throw themselves on my couch and like, dad, we're so hungry. <laughs> my belly, it hurts. Ah, you need to fix this right now, right? So, so what, what happens when we do that? Do we say, here's a rock, have fun. <laughs> Let me know how that figure, how that works out. I'm, I'm not feeding you. I'm not taking care of you. As parents, even if you don't know God, what, what's the first thing that comes to our minds and our hearts when our kid has a need? We're like, I, I need to take care of that. Right? I need to, you know, I need to, I need to fill that. Now, not when they're asking for like the thousand dollar phone, right? You're like, no, that's not happening. You can have the hand me down, whatever, right? <laughs> so they're unreasonable requests. But then there are those ones like, I, I need food. Like, will you feed me? And, and Jesus is like, who of you would do that? There's got to be something wrong if your kid is hungry and is asking for something. You're like, here's a rock. What? <laughs> no, that, that doesn't work out. And so and Jesus, he's going to bring us to this place where he, he's going to talk about how even as earthly parents love their kids, he's like, how much more does God love you? Can you even imagine like going from that place of like, I would never give my kid a rock to, well, imagine the, the perfect God of the universe who stepped out of time to love us that much. I mean, that, that's huge, right? You wouldn't give your kid a rock, but God's like, God sent me his son to come and live this sinless life for you. That, that means a little bit more. And in verse 10, who if he asked for a fish would give him <clears throat> a serpent? <laughs> it's like another step of crazy, right? Uh, I'm hungry. Oh, here's a rock. Well, all of us would go, that's not right. You need to feed your kids, right? Everybody's like, yes, I feed my kids. Okay, good. <laughs> so uh, outside of that, what, what happens? Well, um, he says, you, you wouldn't do that. Or, or what happens if they ask for, you know, Dad, I'd like a specific kind of food. Maybe your kids, I don't know, box mac and cheese. That's easy. Yeah, sure. Anytime. I can, I can do that, right? Uh, so nothing wrong with that. Uh, Dad, can I have that? And you're like, here's a snake. Have fun. I love you saw there was an article about a like a gigantic python that one of like the New York State it wasn't state troopers one of the wildlife conservation guys somebody pulled up and there's like this giant ball in the middle of the road and it's like a this like huge python it's like longer than a car and I was like that's scary but but who of us right who of us in the room anybody listening online whatever when you read this Jesus is just trying to get us to go like you guys who are imperfect you love your kids enough to feed them right you love your kid enough to go hey if you want the box mac and cheese like you know here's a snake and Jesus is going, we're, we're, there's not, there shouldn't be anything wrong here. Like, we should give good things, good gifts to our kids. 
But then he's going to turn the attention to a good God who's infinitely greater, who has a, this greater form of love that we couldn't even touch with not, you know, yes, I'm not going to give my kid a rock. I love my kids, okay? I'm not going to give them a snake. So just so everybody's aware of that. And it's for all these people as they were reading this, they would have gone, yeah, I mean, Jesus, who's going to give their kid a rock? Um, who, who's going who's to give them a snake? I mean, that would be dangerous. It would bite them, right? I'm not going to put them in a cage with some wild animal. That's crazy, <laughs> right? So Jesus is like, yeah, you, you should know that, right? And he turns the focus to a good God. His, his purpose for being there. So we've um, got the good door. We've got good parents. Many of us wouldn't do these things that Jesus talks about. And this is for a reason. And then we get to a good God. So this is the last fill in the blank. I, I always love how like pictures and movies and things try to frame God. Um, there's been movies throughout history that, you know, they'll, they'll be like, you know, God is sitting on a throne. You, know, you open up the clouds and um, been, you know, funny sketches in the past. You've ever seen Monty Python, like God is like this, you just open up the clouds and he's there. And it's almost like this comedic figure, you know, that's like, you know, <laughs> that people don't even treat him seriously. But, but how amazing is a God who sits in eternity, past, who's in heaven, who's sitting on his throne, and, and yet he cares for us, you know? It's like, we read this and we go, yeah, you know, I know God wants me to be saved. He wants me to know him. He wants me to, you know, to actually have a desire to know him. That should be um, clear to us. And then, um, but even more than like a good parent. Jesus says, you're not going to do this with your kids. And he turns the focus to God, and he helps us understand just, just kind of how separated we are in our own personal understanding of like, yeah, I love my kids. That's just like God's love. Well, it's a little bit different, right? Verse 11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So what's the origin of good, right? We, we think a lot of things are good or likable or stuff that, you know, we enjoy. But, but he says here that, that even our, like, our really temporal, really um, uh, earthly understanding of love, even though we wouldn't give our kid a rock, even though we wouldn't, we wouldn't give him a giant python or something, that just it should be crazy to us, right? But Jesus says, hey, if you then who are evil, and we don't like hearing that too. We're like, well, I'm good. I, I, I take care of my kids and my family. He says, if you then who are evil, and it's this word um, for... Um, in the Greek, it's the word paneros. It just means full of labors or annoyances or hardships. And all Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you who live in a broken world, you're living in fleshly bodies who constantly pull you away from God. If you who are evil, even though we like to think of ourselves as good, right? We, in this earthly perspective, we're, we're still going to do good things. We're still going to love our kids. We're still going to take care of them, even though we will falter at times. But he says, hey, he, he, if you then, living in a place full of labors, even in your own body as you struggle to follow God, you know how to give good gifts. You won't give your kid a rock. You're not going to give him a snake. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give Good things to those who ask. And so what does he do? Well, he gives good things. This word here for good, agathos, it means pleasant, joyful, useful, excellent gifts. And so we see that this, this comes from God. It doesn't come from us. We do, we do what we think are good things, but we do like um, what would be uh, things intrinsic to our nature. Um, preserving our species, right? Caring for our kids. And most of us would say, well, I love my kids, you know. Uh, but there's probably a day when it's like, Maybe things aren't going the way you want them to, and you're like, I love my kids. <laughs> but we're earthly, right? We're fleshly. We're, we're evil, like the text says. So there are things in our being that at times we would say, I would never do that, never give the kid a rock, and never give him a snake. We have to come back to this place where, where, where true love and salvation 
only comes from God. We can't, like, we, we can't do this enough ourselves. Uh, the parental instinct is not the highest form of love, although it's one of the greatest ones that we can look to. And I think that's why Jesus uses this here. He's like, even if you don't know God, you understand that even after living in a fallen world, you still wouldn't do these things to your kids. You would still take care of them. But what does God do? He says, hey, even you who live in this fallen state, you give good gifts to your kids. You take care of them. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When he says good here, the word agathos, pleasant, joyful, useful, excellent gifts, this is what Jesus gives. And this gift of salvation, it, man, our earthly gifts are like, you know, yeah, kids, yeah, box mac and cheese, or, or we're going to take you to McDonald's today. And kids are like, yay. Although now it's like all, you know, like the play places and things are closed, so the, you know, the allure of the kids' play areas, you know, gone. But we can get a Big Mac. We can get chicken nuggets. We can get whatever you want. And the kids are excited about that. But God says, greater than that, greater than living in a fallen world, being in a fallen state, and doing good and right things, and taking care of your family, which we should do, we should have that perspective. God gives us something greater. Father who is in heaven gives good things to those who ask. <clears throat> Paul uses this word in Romans 7. It kind of compares and contracts this text. So in, in uh, chapter 7 of Romans, verse 18 and 19, it says, for, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Apostle Paul said this, somebody who turned full circle from persecuting the church and wrote uh, most of the New Testament, and God gave him this to write, he says, this is who I am. So this is in comparison to who God is. God gives good gifts. We think that we do good or right things, and maybe from an outward perspective we do, but, but who's the one really helping us? Who's the one really giving us the greatest gift? As we, we come to that door, he says, come on in. I've got the best gift for you, and I'm going to offer it to you. Really. So this God who's the source of all good, things infinitely better than we could ever accomplish or do, even those good and right things from what society would tell us. <clears throat> James paints another picture for us. James chapter 1, 16 through 18 uses this word, and it talks about what good gifts God gives. <clears throat> In verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of this, <clears throat> of his own, he, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So what does God do for us? Every good and every perfect gift, every reason for um, being here, every wonderful thing that he provides us with, starting at salvation, is from God. We may do good and right things throughout time, throughout our lives. As parents, certainly, many of us would say we wouldn't do that. But what is real love? What is this um, good gift that God offers us to us that when we knock on the door, he opens it right up and we can come on in? Maybe you've been thinking about other forms of love and, and knowing, well, nothing is free and nothing is free in this life except for the relationship that God gives to him, right? We've got to pay for everything. There's always a price tag, even if you don't see it. But... This gift of salvation is free to us. Um, in closing, I, w- I was reminded of a, a story about love and understanding love. Um, <clears throat> came to when my wife and I first met, and um, I've told this story many times before. 
And I was telling my daughter, Alana, the other day, the story. She always tells me, we're going to bed. Like, let's read the Bible. Let's you know, go through a story, another story of another book I want to read. But then she's like, tell me a story about your life. And I, I started doing this um, because my, my dad growing up, we would do that. I said, tell me a story about your life. It, always the most teachable moments seem to come when you know, we, we tell a story about a mistake we made or you know, a good choice we made. And, and I came to this story, and Alana knew it so well. I said, well, let me tell you about when I first saw your mom. And she goes, Dad, I know that story. You've told it so many times. I said, well, do you want to tell it this time? She goes, yeah, I'll tell it this time. <laughs> and so uh, she's like, well, you were in class, and then Mom came in the room, and you were like, oh, wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's, that's about right. And um, she said something. I think, yeah, the music was playing. I was like, well, I just tell people that. But, you know, and like, yeah, and things were like in slow motion. I said, yeah, same thing. But it was just my perspective of, of, of love, right? I saw my wife, and, and she will say to this day, you, you didn't know that we were going to get married. You didn't know that we would, you know, later down the road, and I was like, I know what to tell you, but I did. I just, I just did, right? It was like that, oh, wow moment, and, and so, we're, you know, we're going along the process, and, um, you know, we're, we're going to get married. I asked her to marry me, and she says yes, luckily, and that's why we're here today, <laughs> and all these years later, and we went and did the marriage counseling thing, and my uh, pastor at the time, he did it for us, uh, Brother Jim, and um, still a great guy, guy I go to all the time for advice. And he was going through our marriage counseling stuff, and he was having us write things down. And then he asked me this question. He goes, I asked both of us, I think. He said, do you love Christy? I said, well, yeah, man. I mean, you know, we, we're getting married. Like, we're engaged. Like, how much better could it get you know, than right now? Of course I love her. And uh, Brother Jim asked her the same question. Well, yeah, of course. And I, I don't think I saw it. I think Christy did. I think, I think she said, this is maybe a trick question, right? Uh, so we asked us the question, of course, you know, we love each other. And he looked at us and he said, no, you don't. But you're going to figure out how to love each other as life progresses. And in the moment, I was like, you're crazy, man. Like, <laughs> I'm so in love, right? Uh, but, but little did I know, almost 12 years later, God's taught us so much. He's taught us about his love. And even in the love that we have for a spouse, love that we have for kids, it's imperfect, right? And at times we make mistakes and we don't treat each other well. We don't have this perfect love for our kids, even though we pretend that we do all the time, right? And we don't have this perfect love for our spouse, even though we would say and act like we do most of the time, right? Because we're imperfect, evil, fleshly, and we live in a world that's broken, right? And so God says, even better than that, even better than you taking care of your kids, any form of love that you could have in this world, there's this better form, there's this real love, there's this good gift that God gives to us. How do we have to, how do we have to get to it? Desire to know God, knock on the door, and he's going to open it up. Isn't that good news? That no matter what else is going on, what other form of love we try to compare God to, nothing will be as good as knowing God. Nothing will get us through the seasons of life that are more difficult other than knowing God. And many times when those relationships or those things kind of let us down, we go, I know a God who gives me perfect love, and he will see me through no matter what. And so we've got this door. Jesus compares to parents who, even though evil, will give good gifts to their kids. But more than that, we serve and we know, and we love a good God, and he's created this access point to us. It's a doorway. Now, maybe you're here today, you're listening online, you listen later, and you're like, I I don't know anything about this. I don't know what this real love is. Well, it's amazing, and it's uncomparable like we've talked about. And it's just simply this, that if you would believe that Jesus is God's Son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of your life, the Scripture tells us you'll be saved. You'll have a place with him in heaven forever. But I don't want us to get to this point and then go, if I do that, 
They don't have to do anything else. Well, once we know God, he wants us to continue to seek him, continue to pursue him. And I hope that as we've gone through this series on doors of the Bible, we would see this door as an entry point. And one that after we enter through, God says, don't stop there. Keep following me. Keep growing. I want to know you more deeply. And that should be the aim of our lives, okay? Uh, I want to pray for us. And then uh, just as a reminder, if you're here today uh, and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, if you've never put your faith and trust in him, then I'll be here afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, If you're online, then reach out to us that way and uh, be glad to connect you that way too. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you. Uh, for a good day, uh, a wonderful day. Although the seasons change and at times things are aggravating, the snow uh, at a point that we wish would be gone. God, we're thankful that we just we get to exist in this time and we get to know you more deeply that no matter what else is going on, we think about your love. We know that um, it's not like all the other love that's out there, God. It's not like the love of a parent to a child, of a, a spouse together. Although those forms of love are wonderful that you give to us in life. God, we know you give us a real love, uh, a love that is not comparable to yours. And we know that nothing in this life is free except for knowing you, God. There's nothing we could offer to you for it. We're thankful that you give us this good doorway that all we have to do is knock, and you're going to open it, and you're going to invite us in. For those who truly desire to know God, you will do that. Thankful, God, that you give us examples for for our small minds that we might understand um, this love that you have for us, like a, like a good parent, like a spouse who um, does many good things, but nothing is as comparable, God, to you and your love that you have for us, being a good God who gives good and right gifts. Um, the most important one, that we might know you, that we might put our faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. And God, that this would change the trajectory of our life. Um, help us as we live and operate now, as we, we learn to love Um, Like Brother Jim said, um, help us to do that well. And when we make mistakes, we're thankful that you're there to pick us up. Uh, God, help us, um, for those who are believers in the room, to be good examples um, as we leave this place. Not to be judgmental, as you said earlier in Matthew chapter 7, but those who truly care about a world who is lost and dying and separated from you. God, we're thankful that we know you. Um, Help our desire to be just as uh, passionate and real as it was when we first knocked on your door. It's your name we pray. Amen.